Welcome to the BBSI Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where we talk about the challenges business owners face every day. We'll share the insights and tools you need to define your business strategy, better manage your teams, and mitigate any risks standing in the way of your success. I'm your host, Lauren Gelfand, Director of Marketing and Communications at BBSI. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're talking to Dan Ventura, Area Manager for a Long Beach branch, about how to maintain profitability as a seasonal business. Dan has over 35 years of experience in leadership, management, and vision across numerous business disciplines. Welcome to The Entrepreneur, Dan. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Pleasure to be here. We're super excited for you to be here today. I'm really excited just to hear about what, what brought you here. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at BBSI. Well, sure. I'm really a serial entrepreneur. I've owned several businesses with you know over 100 employees with my first business and over 250 employees in my second business. My last business before I came to BBSI was a restaurant chain that we sold. And we, I sold both businesses for, for profit. Um, and I've also invested in various other businesses, but I was actually recruited by BBSI. I was found by one of our, one of our wonderful recruiters that we have, and they reached out to me. And frankly, at first, I wasn't sure this was something that was going to be for me. But as I got to talking to more and more folks and, and going through the interview process, this really, uh, for my career journey in this particular part of my life, seemed like an absolutely perfect fit for me to be able to consult and really be transformative in in so many other business owners' lives, and, and whether I'm just a little conduit piece or I'm more involved to to the extent of, of transformational change, it's been something that's just been a tremendous opportunity for me, and I, I love what I do. So it basically allows me to be an entrepreneur without the responsibility of being a true entrepreneur when you have to make a payroll for 200-plus people or, or when you have all the headaches of the actual ownership. So I, I get to be on, on the best side of the thing where I can consult and I can empathize and I can cry with them, but at the end of the day, it's not mine, right? So uh, it's, it's a great position to be in. Well, that's fantastic. And I know you, you started out as a business partner working directly with uh, a lot of our clients, uh, managing a business unit team, and then moved your way up to now run the whole branch for, for a while now. I think that's a fantastic trajectory. I think the, the transition from being a business partner, working directly with the clients and the client team, then to run a branch is, is a pretty natural progression. And, and now it's allowed me to be able to running a branch allows me to be more of an influencer to our team leader business partners now and support them in a way that helps them help the clients be more successful and, and truly allow them to, to leverage their possibilities. Well, and you get to see the scope of so many more businesses and meet with so many more business owners instead of one business team, you're working across the entire branch, kind of seeing the overview of all the different businesses, how they're going, where the trajectories, where the pain points are, where they not, might need help. Um, and where they might need support. And I think that is is a perfect launching pad to take us today into talking about seasonal. I worked for some seasonal businesses in my career in the past, and it's it's always been interesting. I uh, I did ski bum for a number of years after college and, and worked in a ski town. And it was interesting. I worked in a shop that was only open during the winter. They didn't even open during the summer. The business owner had some other businesses that, that kept him afloat during those warm months when there wasn't snow on the ground. And then really pushed hard to drive profitability through the, those winter months. And I always found it interesting to look at the ebbs and flows of how he was able to keep consistency throughout the year. So talk to me a little bit about uh, any experience you have or any thoughts you have on definition of a seasonal business, some, some examples of that. Sure. So my 
last business that I had, I actually sold in 2015, was a, a multi-unit restaurant group. And we, particularly in one of our, well, entirely, no matter where you're at in a restaurant business, if you're in a really successful location, typically you, you do have some seasonality to it. But in, in one location specifically, we were located near Anaheim Stadium as well as the pond. It's where the Anaheim Ducks play. So we were we were right there in the in the throes of everything. So when we when those teams yeah, either of those teams were playing or if there was a concert, we were always, you know, crazy busy. So we we were always monitoring the schedule of events for both the Angel Stadium as well as as well as the Ducks Arena for all types of events that were happening. So when nothing was going on and Typically during slower periods, either in the winter or there was this, this, this period between hockey season and baseball season where there's not a whole lot going on, we would run promotions, you know, to get more people through the door because, you know, seasonal business it can be just be that. Now, granted, we have continual business. It's just that the difference in revenue and the difference in volume during a, a large event versus not having that large event. Crucial to maintain that profitability. And I imagine with those ebbs and flows, Dan, uh, you know, big season during the sports games. And then in between when there's no games going on must have been up. I recall I worked for a brewery for a while. And we had a restaurant in there and the location that it was, was very dependent on the NBA season. Uh, when there were games at night, it was our wait for a table. And when it wasn't season, they were struggling to drive people in and had to employ all kinds of other strategies to sort of pull from beyond the neighborhood to bring people in the door. I also know that Personnel can be an issue in terms of seasonality. And I've worked at some jobs in college towns where when school's in session, there's lots of people in need of work, lots of employees. And then as soon as school's out, those employees go back home. They're working in other places. And so it's tough to find talent. Yes. So fortunately for us, we were able to attract talent. We paid very well above, obviously, minimum wage and the fact that most of the gratuities were way above industry average. So our folks, we were able to pretty much keep the best of the best. And while it is really, especially in the restaurant business, I recognize it's kind of a transient employee business because for one than 95% of the folks in the restaurant business, it's not a career. So 5% or less make it a career. That's typically your back of house or heart of house people that are in the kitchen and so forth. So the other folks in front of the house are servers or bartenders or what have you, in most cases are working a means to an end, if you will. They're putting themselves through college or they're saving for a car or whatever it typically is, but very rare do you have a server or a bartender making a career. So I think it just takes you know, treating your client, your customers, your employees well, and then also making sure that they have a career opportunity, meaning that there are great benefits, it's well-rounded, there's advancement opportunities, and above all, that your company culture is a, is a positive one where people can excel and uh, find joy in their workplace. I mean, it is a job, but I think it's very important, especially in the seasonality aspect of keeping people really busy. Now, granted, what I would do in, in those cases, when you have the seasonality of, of the business flow, we would work with our employees to find out who needed more hours. Obviously, your star players, the more positive comments you got from guests and so forth and, and different various apps that would provide opportunity for customer interaction to be able to give you five stars or what have you for your service. Those folks are going to always be your top line, front line folks who are going to get the most hours. And then from there, you would go try to your medium level to your lower level employees, meaning lower level meaning just in hours, not lower level quality. And then we would work with them to see what were their needs, how many hours did they have to have, and then just try to keep them appeased so that you don't lose them during you know the seasonal times. 
in most cases, when you work with them up front and, and communicate that, they're more than happy to not work as many hours in those in those times. And at least that was my experience. Oh, very interesting. So a lot about staffing and maintaining that that sort of consistency, getting the right players in there. A lot about making sure that you are bringing back those locals that come in regardless of the seasonality. So all of that to me sounds like sort of this business plan. So if you were a seasonal business out there and you were coming to BBSI and you didn't really have a business plan and were sort of struggling, Dan, where would you start building that business plan to make sure that you can maintain that consistency throughout the year? Well, there are various uh, degrees of business plans, but I, I always highly recommend a, a very thorough business plan that includes allowing for your cash flow ebbs and flows, as well as the operations and SOPs of the business. It should be as finite as possible, especially if you have a more seasonal business than what we're even discussing, right? Because as you'd mentioned, uh, Lauren, you work for a ski company that it needs snow. And if there's no snow for six or seven months out of the year, what else do you do? What other vertical markets can you potentially secure? Or how do you prepare for those downtimes? And how are you financially capable of not only keeping your people in, engaged and not having to turnover so high of your employees, but also keeping your customers and your guests from not forgetting who you are? And so there are a lot of aspects, and I'm sure we're probably going to get into that here, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But I think from a business plan perspective, it's got to be very, very specific measured and and realistic and time and it all has to be with a financial basis and if you're going into a seasonal business especially a new and if you're underfunded probably not a good idea to start a seasonal business if you're underfunded uh, a lot of businesses will start you know entrepreneurs are typically calculated risk takers right that's what makes us who we are and i love that that's our heartbeat however a seasonal business is a different animal and i would i would just highly encourage anyone that is underfunded or not as funded as well-funded as you might want to be, you probably should have three X of your six months worth of backing and reserve to be able to get you through your first down season, because you can't just rely on your, your very first year and your first season of, of success to carry you through that next several months or, or however many months your seasonality is. I would say a minimum of three to six months of cash flow reserve to, to have in place. But again, always refer back to that strategic plan. And again, there are several companies that can help you with that if you've ever done it, or you can even, the internet is just chock full of business plan, writing plans and, and ideas. Another thing is BBSI, we're wonderful at that. We, I've actually worked with several of our clients to work where they've been in business for even a year or two and just now doing a business plan. And I, I'm happy to meet with our, our clients and, and work with them toward that end. I love that they're, they're thinking about that business plan and getting back to that point, because I know that it's important, even if you started out with a plan, uh, to review that plan after you get through, if you do successfully get through that down season, going back to looking at your cash flow, looking at your staffing levels, looking at your strategic priorities, and making sure that you're on track, because that may adjust throughout the year. You may find other opportunities during the down season that weren't in the plan to begin with. So do you go back at a regular cadence with those clients and sort of adjust and make sure that they're on that plan? Absolutely. We so we minimally check in with our clients every three months, but there are, I do have multiple clients that I meet with either virtually or in person on a, uh, almost on an every other week basis. And some of those check-ins are 15 minutes long. Sometimes they're an hour and 15 minutes long. It just depends upon the need at that moment. But a constant review and, you know, 
we set goals, we have to keep measuring them, right? And execute and measure, execute and measure. And it's, it's rather rinse, repeat, execute and measure. So it's that constant going to what is your, your basis and, and how are you going to get there? And then adjusting as needed. So you, the only way you're able to be proactive is to execute and measure. Otherwise you're reacting to everything and reactive responses typically don't go as well. Well, they're not planned out. And then there's unexpected changes that can come in throughout the year. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about diversifying revenue streams. I know that for a lot of seasonal businesses, there's a different revenue driver in the off season than there is in the on season. And I know that's a good way to maintain profit levels, but it sometimes is almost like a completely new business. Right. In my particular case, and I can also maybe give some examples of some of our clients, but in my particular case with the restaurants, as I'd mentioned that there was a point in the summer where it's kind of between seasons of sports seasons, where we always experienced a little slowdown. We would promote our catering and our, our events because we had private spaces to host smaller weddings, for example, receptions, corporate events. So we would spend the whole year promoting. And then those in those particular slower periods, we would offer substantial discounts to to increase the, the revenue during that time, but also in, increase our occupancy during those slow times where we were accustomed to typically having a, a really busy sporting event. Now these other events would fill those things. So that that's kind of a vertical as well, or secondary markets. One of the other things we did was we partnered with one of our locations happened to be the, the largest one, the, the one, like, as I mentioned, near the sporting uh, arenas, uh, was also in the heart of a, where a movie theater was. And the movie theater experienced the same thing we were experiencing. So I met with the general manager, and we put together a dinner and a movie, literally, quote, unquote, a dinner and a movie promotion that if they came to our restaurant prior to the event, they would get a discount movie ticket and discount dinner and drinks. So it was a package, and we actually had a lot of folks take advantage of that. So just partnering with the local business and finding a way that, that the two can, you know, the power of, of, of the collaboration really helps you in those slower times. And that, that really proved to be super, quite successful. And I love that idea of partnering with another business out there because it's likely that other businesses that you're surrounded by are also struggling with that same seasonality. What a great opportunity to band together to drive some incremental cash flows and profitability during those downtimes with it, with a unique product that's not out there. And that's the kind of creativity I think that inspires the entrepreneurs to keep driving forward. And those are the ones that are more successful, right? The ones that think outside the box and look for those opportunities beyond what's right in front of them. And that keeps the cash flow going, right? You may discount your services slightly, but you're keeping people coming inside the door. I also imagine that took a little bit of a different approach to reach those different kinds of customers. Was there a different sort of marketing communications plan that you had to put together in that off season? Um, well, it was, I wouldn't say it was different, but I would say it was more strategic in that the, the sporting events kind of were so natural and organic. We didn't have to do a lot of promoting prior to those events because people knew we were there. We were adjacent to both arenas and convenient. So people would come just naturally. Whereas for the, the move, dinner in a movie, uh, or even the, the catering and, and special events, we had to actually go outside and promote both through social media, through ad print and so forth, just to let people know that, you know, we have that uh, capability. Some, some folks aren't aware of what you're fully capable of doing. And we, as business owners, sometimes we make an assumption that we put up an open sign that's flashing and everyone knows everything that we do. And that's not the case. We have to constantly educate and re-educate our potential guests, potential clients, or whomever they might be of what our capabilities are and what services we can offer that might be outside the norm. 
And that usually is what enhances. So whether it's, again, social media is the big one, but, but print media still works. Even things that are being delivered to homes in offering discount coupons to, for those types of things, those actually work because they get in front of thousands of people who still are tactile and read through some of those discount books. And, and they really do help. And again, I would just recommend to, to the entrepreneurs out there that, that, you know, just search your market, see which ones have the most, the best success rate and the best open rate and how, how highly publicized they are and give it a go. And again, one time doesn't typically work. It takes repeat, right? It takes, you know, commit to six or 12 issues uh, because you're not going to see an immediate ROI on no matter what you do. I love that, Dan. You're speaking right to my wheelhouse here. <laughs> in the marketing background there, and we always say it takes five to six touches to inspire uh, a change or a decision made by your target customer. And so, yeah, getting the door hangers out there, getting the mailers out there, doing email marketing campaigns, making sure that you are present on local websites, on local, you know, community boards so that people know so that the message is out there. Because I think a lot of business owners are so involved in the day-to-day -day operations that they forget about bringing in the clients, about making sure that people know what they're offering and what they're doing. And you may have the greatest idea in the off season to promote the business, but if nobody knows about it, nobody's going to come in through the door. And so you've got to acquire that entire new set of customers to come in. And then you've also got to entice your, your, lo your regulars, your locals, your regulars, and build that loyalty for the people that are going to still come in and support that business, even if you're not seeing a tremendous amount of new people come in through the door. I know that that customer loyalty and retention is really important. Did you have any programs that you ran uh, at the restaurant to bring back regular customers? We did. We specialized in craft beer when craft beer wasn't as big as it is today, but we, we specialized in local craft beer and we had 40 something beers on tap in each of our locations. And we promoted what's called the pint club. So People could join the club and they'd get their name engraved on a special pint glass. And then every time they came in, they received a dollar off every beer and they also got 10% off their food. So there was an annual fee to that that increased. So it was almost like a, a Costco, if you will. So you charge an annual fee that also offsets. So it brings you increased revenue and offsets some of your slow periods because that increased revenue you're getting on an annual basis. And then the other thing is everybody wants a place. To, it's just like the old cheers, uh, right? The cheers motto. You, you want a place where everybody knows your name and you, you where you belong. So this, this was a sense of belonging. You brought you discounts as well because of the additional perks. And that loyalty uh, really, really helped a lot. That's my other background was, was craft beer. I worked in the beer industry for quite a long time. I know that, <laughs> you know, promoting those new hot products, new beers that were coming out that you couldn't get elsewhere, a wide variety of products that you can offer that some of your editors can. I think that making sure that you are differentiating yourself from the competition is also very important. And so I think, you know, you did a great job at that by having all those beers on tap, having the mug club. Uh, what are some other examples of sort of some diversification, maybe from some of the clients you work with? Well, we have multiple clients that are in manufacturing where one, for example, manufactures marine and RV propane and gas type barbecues that fit perfectly off of, and they're a huge company, by the way, they're locally here in San and Long Beach. And they, they have since diversified because they saw seasonality to their business, even though they've been around for a number of years and, and their, their revenues in, in well into the tens of millions, but they saw a huge seasonality to their business, obviously, because the spring and summer months are when people go camping and people go out of their boats, but they sell, they sell nationwide and they started adding 
additional products into the RV and, and marine world. I mean, all types of things. And they got really creative. They've told me recently their seasonality has almost become non-existent because of all these other products that they're, they're able to really not really change much in their manufacturing process. They've had to add a couple pieces of equipment, but nothing that was cost prohibitive. And it was still entertaining in similar markets. And when people were uh, during the, during the non-RV months or the non-camping months, they would be looking to either upgrade or maintain their units or their rigs. And these had more to do with maintenance and other things. So they, they've really turned a corner on the seasonality of their business and their, their flight success. So they actually changed the full trajectory of the business by taking what could have been perceived as a weakness and turn that into a strength, really, and managed to create a full year-round business out of that opportunity. I think that's an amazing example of just that entrepreneurial spirit driving the business forward. And then I'm sure that that helped keeping people on, right? They can that's keep right. their employees with consistent hours throughout uh, the year and not drop them down while that seasonality ran slow. And that helps people plan for the future. Right. And so not only does it help that which we, which you just spoke to, their worksite employees were so no longer they no longer had seasonal employees, and what they ended up having are employees. Their their turnover was reduced as well because employees knew that they weren't going to be laid off for a period. You also keep that talent. And I was just had a thought about you know all the time and effort that goes into training and educating and making sure that that employees are talented and moving forward in their careers. And it's got to be difficult for a seasonal business to you know, spend half the year or more educating your employees, getting them trained and to have them go away and take that education and that skill set to another business because you weren't able to keep them there. That's right. That's exactly right. And especially in manufacturing, to your point, Lauren, is a lot of these, the equipment, it, they're, they're very niche. Uh, operators need to be, you know, very specifically trained. So you, that kind of turnover is so costly to businesses. So if you can keep them employed, and regularly getting regular checks on a 12-month basis, you're going to have a, a much longer and much happier employee uh, you know, for the long run. It also gives you the opportunity if the business owner so chooses to offer health benefits, right? That's right. It's a lot more difficult to offer health benefits if you're part-time than if you have full-time employees. And we know that if you're offering great benefit packages, training and skills, you are retaining more employees and actually saving money in the long run. That's exactly right. And we've found that out firsthand just because we started you know, offering benefits a year ago and, and just recently in California, and we're already seeing the effects immediately to our our existing clients on how, how the benefits really, really respond well for their to improve their turnover. I love that. I love that. I've been talking a lot about those benefit packages in some of the recent episodes, and, and especially since we just sort of launched our benefits package out there. I've learned a lot about that that health insurance market and how important that is. I mean, it's always been important to me as as an employee, but now looking at both sides of the equation for the employer and the employee, bringing a good benefits package not only attracts that talent, but keeps them there. And I know that that's also difficult in the restaurant industry, right? Because you're getting a lot less hours out of people. You have a, probably a much larger staff of, of part-timers. How did you sort of manage through that? So we weren't able to, we, we were able to offer benefits to our, our management teams, mm -hmm. but we were not able to do it onto the hourly folks, mainly because it was too costly. And the fact that we would, for most of them to want to participate, you know, you'd have to, we, the company would have to pay for more than 50%. Right. So, and it just was cost prohibitive. The restaurant, the margins in the restaurant business just in that, that particular time was not, it was cost prohibitive. However, we did offer bonus incentive 
for uh, again again guest appreciation uh, for when we when they promoted specials we always measured uh, how many specials were sold and how it was promoted so there was ways for our teams to earn extra money besides their hourly wage and the gratuity so that could hopefully offset that was a benefit to them and they could use that for either health benefits or whatever was important to them but it was a way to entice them and incentivize them to remain there and to lower the the turnover because most restaurants aren't offering those additional uh, opportunities. Well, that was a very creative way to use the benefit incentives for for the internal employees. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, you're offering, you know, the pint club for the customers that come in, enticing them to come back. And then you're offering bonuses for great service for your employees to make sure that they're happy and productive members of the team when they're at work. Seems like that was a, a combination for a pretty successful, smooth out continuation of the year. It, it very much was. And, and you know, it, you can advertise all you want and bring as many guests as you can through the door. But if the guests aren't happy, if the, if the quality of the food's not good and if the quality of the service and hospitality is not good, then it's all for naught. It's, got, it's, it's, a, it's a multidimensional full package that we've, we expect as a society. And you have to be able to deliver that on a consistent basis. Definitely a difficult task to manage through the seasons, especially in, in so many different businesses that sort of experience that. And, you know, when I originally thought about this topic, I was thinking about, you know, the wintertime, the ski shop that I worked in or, you know, the, the college towns that, that I was in with personnel. But, I mean, you're in Southern California where the weather is consistent pretty much all throughout the entire year, yet you have those ebbs and flows of business coming and business going out. And so I think the topic expands more to sort of all businesses that see those upticks and downticks throughout the year and making sure that you're putting together a good plan and, and revisiting it to make sure that you can even out those things and offer all the fantastic benefits that keep your employees, keep your customers, and keep your business moving forward. Yeah, I would agree. And that, and back to what I said, and, and it just, you, you confirm that it's, it is very multidimensional, especially for any seasonality of any kind of business. And I would just say plan, plan, plan. You have to Make, make a plan, execute the plan, measure the plan constantly, as we said earlier. And, you know, when you're do, working on advertising and promoting, whether it's social media, print media, you know, radios, wh whatever you're doing, broadcast media, you're not doing it when you're slow. You're doing it five, six months before you, your slow period. It's too late at that point because of the time it takes for, you know, you already mentioned it, it's been proven, you know, statistically five to six times before somebody, you, you might evoke a response. So, Get out there early, plan ahead. You know, in most cases, you know you when, you're, when your slow season is going to be, you know, and make sure you're always staying in touch with your, your clients or your guests or your customers uh, on a regular basis. Because when you're slow, you got to keep your name in front of them and you're constantly reminding them you're still there and that you value their business, you know, whenever it's convenient for them, but that it enticed them in some way, whether it's a, whether it's a discount or a special or a, an opportunity, a wine dinner, some, something that's different and not the norm to, to get them to, to come back. But consistent marketing year round is so, so important. So don't just wait till you're slow because at that point it's probably too late. I think those are great points, Dan. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't recommend, you know, working with a company like ours is going to force you to think about those things. It's going to force you to sit down. It's going to take you out of that day-to-day -day operation the time to meet either quarterly or monthly to make sure that you do that plan because i think a lot of owners get stuck in the day-to-day -day and they're not able to sit back it's nice to have a partner that you can work with that forces you to have that meeting that gets you out of the office that brings them probably into one of our office to sit and talk about those things because if you keep putting it off all of a sudden there's going to be that dip and that cash flow is going to go down and that's going to be harmful to the future of the business 
I completely agree. And so we try to meet regularly with our clients who, for what you know, Lauren is referring to is a, is, is a strategic deep dive session. And we do multiple sessions with clients, but you have to start with one to kind of get a foundation and a basis point for where the business owner wants to go. UVSI, I think, is an amazing partner in that way, where we take the time and we get to know our, our clients intimately and we help them plan for the future. And again, it's their plan, not ours. And we just try to keep putting the stepping stones in front of them and encourage them to move forward and help them hold them a little bit accountable, but really just as a, as a strategic partner to be to be by their side, to, to guide them along the way. And, and we like to challenge their thinking. We we, don't, we certainly don't believe we have all the answers, but we, we ask some of the best questions out there. So we like to be defined by the questions we ask, not the answer we provide. And, and I think it's a, it's a great partnership. With, when, and that's, I think that points to our retention rate, Lawrence, of, of, of over 95% retention yep. and our clients staying with us for so long. Because I think most clients realize the value, especially whether you're a seasonal business or you know, you're crawling your way through this uh, current economy and inflationary period. You, it's always nice to have someone on your side who's advocating for you and, and doing a team that's doing everything they can to help your business grow. And I just, I wish I would have known a BBSI when I owned my businesses. Unfortunately, I didn't, but uh, I definitely would have engaged them. And, and now I would recommend to every business owner, uh, you, you need BBSI. I love that, Dan. And thank you for making that recommendation and for taking the time today. And, and for all our listeners out there, thank you for listening to the episode today. I hope that you picked up some ideas for how to smooth out that seasonality in your business, some creative ideas that will drive you forward. And if you're struggling and if you're having some trouble, that you're encouraged to reach out to us to have that introductory meeting and to discuss what the future could look like. If you're looking for more resources to support your business, you can always visit our website at bbsi.com. And you can also subscribe to our free monthly newsletter, the BBSI Insider, uh, where we give tips and best practices and tools to help you grow your business. Um, we'd also love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss out on the latest insights from our BBSI business professionals. Once again, I'd like to thank Dan Ventura for coming on the show today. Really appreciate the insights. Thanks for joining us, Dan. My pleasure. Thanks so much.